0: CDC Info, a service of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Well, hi there. The the reason I'm calling today is because I am concerned about the health of my family. I just love them so much and I want them to be as healthy as they can be. So do you have some health advice or some recommendations for actions that I can take to keep my family uh, as healthy as possible? Oh, okay. I guess if you guys say so. I mean, you are the public health experts. So tell me, who are these shots for? Everybody! (laughs) That's right. That's right, everybody. They are for everyone. So go out and get your vaccines. Get them, people, because they are safe and effective, much like this show. So welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Everything Allegedly. My name is Sean, and everything I say is the gospel truth. And you can take that to the bank. Allegedly. People have alleged. But you know what? Speaking of banking, taking it to the bank, the people have spoken. The listeners agree (laughs) they hate banking. (laughs) The last episode was not a fan favorite, let me tell you. And I understand. I understand banking can be pretty boring. But normally this is the part of the show where I thank you guys, the listeners, (laughs) because of how well the podcast is doing. So I guess this week I have to scold you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I have no choice because the episode is doing terribly. (laughs) It's your fault. Oh, I'm just kidding. I really do appreciate anyone who listens anytime. So thank you. Thank you for joining me today. But today we are going to talk about a topic even more polarizing than uh, than banking, and that is vaccines. Ooh, we're going to step out. We're going to touch that third rail. You're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to question them. But don't worry, we're not on YouTube or Facebook or or any of the other media companies owned by the government. So we should be all right for now. We'll see what happens. Anyway, that short intro that you just heard, it says it all, right? It says everything you need to know about public health advice these days. Because what is the advice? Well, the advice is to take the vaccines. Take the Rockefeller Industrial Medical Complex medicines. Just take them. Because health outcomes aren't important. I mean, we don't care if you're healthy. What's important is that you're a customer of... The pharmaceutical complex. That's what's important. Profits. If you get healthy along the way, yeah, whatever. But what's really important is that you are a consumer. (laughs) So take the medicine (laughs) and go back to sleep. And, you know, we saw this in a big way. We saw this with the COVID vaccines just recently. And that could be a whole episode. That could be 10 episodes. But we're not going to talk about those vaccines. Today, we're going to talk about the majority of vaccines that exist right now. The majority, well, for right now, I'm sure they want to change that. But the majority of vaccines that are taken these days are by kids. They're the childhood vaccination schedule. And that's what we're going to talk about. And fair warning, right off the bat, I'm just going to go out and say it. I am an anti-vaxxer. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, it's scary. Doesn't that... Doesn't that sound, doesn't that name just conjure up images of unhinged lunatics? Well, it does that on purpose. The The reason that 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 anti-vaxxer term is meant to make you think that I'm a lunatic is because they want you to associate that title with conspiracy theorists and um, uh, j- just like just like how with the JFK assassination, the CIA invented the term conspiracy theorist to discredit those people who were questioning the narrative about the, uh, the JFK assassination. And so what happened? <laughs> we basically know now that the CIA did kill JFK. So that's why I call myself an anti-vaxxer because I am an anti-vaccine advocate Now, I don't tell people that I think some of them are good and I support safe vaccines because guess what? None of them are safe and none of them are effective. They're all dangerous. And now I am going to lay out for you my journey, how I came to this realization and give you just kind of the high points, the amuse-bouche of vaccine or anti-vaccine topics, as it were, But take what I say and look into it further because you're not going to uh, hear what I say today in this short podcast and immediately run out and become an anti-vaxxer. But you may take some of the things I say and if just one thing, maybe just one thing I say, you go, huh, that's strange. Is that really the way it is? Could that really be true? Was that nut really right about one of the things he said? And you know what, take that, look into it a little, and you might just find that there are some holes in their story. And you might just find that uh, perhaps the anti-vaxxer pejorative that they love to throw around, the ad hominems attacks against anyone who speaks out against vaccines, maybe they're not fully true. Because people have been programmed to lash out against the anti-vaccine advocates, and um, or or just people who question them, and I'm trying to change that just a little bit. So, have you noticed that uh, you you can talk about you can talk about flat Earth, you can talk about 9/11, you can talk about chemtrails, and for the most part, you're not going to get canceled. For the most part, you can talk about those things. But as soon as you talk about vaccines, as soon as you say anything bad about vaccines, well, you're canceled. You're deleted. It will not be tolerated. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, banks, Shopify, all these places will cancel you. They try really, really, really hard (laughs) to shut us up. But you know what? I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to do it. I will come right out and say it. And you know what's weird about all that? You know what's weird is th- there's few topics like this that are super radioactive. There are s- there are these few topics you're just absolutely not allowed to mention. And what I think about these topics is that that the lady doth protest too much me thinks. And I say that quite I use that line a lot. And it's from Hamlet. And basically what that line means is if you're going too hard against something, well, you're just exposing the fact that you are trying to create a movement against it that maybe doesn't really exist. The fact that you are protesting so hard in one direction, well, it just seems kind of fake. And so I think that's what's going on here. I think that the pharma country uh, companies are just trying to protect their interests by astroturfing a fake agenda against the anti-vaccine people. And I get it. I I totally understand that this is a difficult topic to just listen to for some people. Because I didn't come to these conclusions overnight. I didn't just one day wake up and decide, you know what, I'm against all vaccines because it doesn't work like that. We are born into a paradigm where nearly everybody thinks that vaccines are safe and effective. And that's the only thing you're allowed to say about them. But vaccines are a house of cards. And so once you pull one of the cards out, you'll see that the entire thing will basically just come falling down. Now speaking of these drug companies, speaking of these pharma companies, a good place to start is to look at these drug companies and there's basically four of them that really make all the vaccines. Those are GlaxoSmithKline, Merck, Pfizer, Sanofi. And the interesting thing about basically all of these companies is that they are all felons. That's right. All of these companies have been found guilty of felonies, have been ordered to pay billions and billions of dollars in fines and restitutions because of their fraud, because of the things they did that were dangerous, that harmed people. And yet, for some reason, for some reason, we assume that these felons, that these people who are guilty of injuring people, for some reason... They're just making products that uh, that protect our health. I don't know why we think that. I don't think that we don't trust big business in a lot of other ways, but for some reason we trust these people who are essentially guilty, felon scumbags. They've lied, they've injured, they've murdered people, and you know somehow we just assume that those who are working in the vaccine department, well, those must be angels. Those are the angels who are concocting these medicines to keep us all safe and healthy because remember, they love us so much. So that's my first point. My first point is that these companies have shown themselves to act recklessly. And I mean, that's the best thing you can say about them. So we should not trust them with our precious little babies and their delicate developing immune system. So that's where I'm going to start look at where this stuff comes from first. Now, the way I became interested in vaccines and specifically childhood vaccines, because I became interested in it long before there was even COVID or COVID vaccines. I was interested in vaccines when not a lot of people were, to be quite honest. And I'm really happy to say that quite a lot of people are getting interested in them now. It makes me really happy to see that. But anyway, I got interested in them because I was interested in diet and fitness. And I found out that diet and fitness were not at all what they seemed and that the advice coming from the government, from the official sources was essentially the opposite of what was true, especially where nutrition and diet were concerned. And so I was listening to a lot of health podcasts at the time, reading a lot about health and nutrition. And I heard Rhonda Patrick, she was a guest on the Joe Rogan show. She's a doctor, a researcher, a medical researcher of some kind. And somehow the topic of uh, childhood vaccines came up in that podcast. I believe Joe Rogan asked her about them. And all I remember her saying about them was that for her kids, she would space them out. She wouldn't be giving them to her kids in the CDC recommended way and that she wouldn't be combining multiple doses of vaccines together for her, her kids. And that was the first time that I had ever heard anyone speak about them critically, or maybe it was the first time that it really sunk in. And so that just stuck with me. It just stuck with me and nothing happened with it for quite a while, but my wife got pregnant. With our first child. And so I started to look uh, more deeply into not just nutrition and fitness and um, and uh, diet and all that kind of stuff for myself. But I started looking into it for for babies and for children. And when I got to vaccines, I I was a bit concerned. And remember, I had heard Rhonda Patrick say that. So I figured, you know, I'm going to look into them myself And I started to go through them in the chronological order that they are laid out on the CDC vaccine schedule. And now the first vaccine that uh, little babies, tiny little brand new newborn babies get in the first 24 hours. So, Essentially, it's not even in the first 24 hours. What happens is the baby comes out of mom and they lay it on the table to do their inspection and bam, needle right in them. So what does this brand new hours old baby get? The hepatitis B vaccine. That's right. The first one that they get when they are instantly born is the hepatitis B vaccine vaccine. Now, what is hepatitis B? Well, it's claimed to be a virus that causes liver disease. But how exactly do you get hepatitis B? Well, essentially, the way you get hepatitis B is the same way you get AIDS. It's through sex and sharing needles. Now, I know that my kids, unfortunately, will be getting some of my, let's say, undesirable genes but there is a pretty low chance I would think that they will be I don't know shooting up heroin from a used needle within the first 24 hours. I would say that chance is is pretty low. I don't know, maybe maybe the first maybe the first 10 years is even safe to assume. So, you know, right off the bat, I have to say I am skeptical about why a one day old infant should be getting vaccinated against hepatitis B. But maybe it's fine. You know what? Maybe it's just fine because vaccines are just rainbows and sunshine with a little water, right? There's nothing to worry about. They're safe and effective. Well... No, um, no, that's that's not the way vaccines actually work. They're not made of rainbows and sunshine and puppy dogs or whatever. Well, you know, they might have puppy dogs in them. I take that back. Who knows? But um, the way vaccines work, the way they are claimed to work is they contain an attenuated virus and an adjuvant. So this is what vaccines are said to be made of an attenuated virus and adjuvant an adjuvant. So what is an attenuated virus? An attenuated virus is a virus that is said to be weakened through various methods. The um, drug companies say that they take these viruses and they can process them through like a a bunch of uh, animals and those animals will weaken the virus as it passes from one to another. I've heard they do it with radiation. I've heard there's many ways that they take these viruses and, um, and weaken them. And that's called an attenuated virus. But what's the other thing? What is an adjuvant? Because an adjuvant is the other part of these vaccines that is necessary. Now, because the virus part of the vaccine is weakened, well, they need to irritate the immune system. So what they do is they need to make your immune system think that it's being attacked by that virus that they've weakened and they need your immune system to react to it. So how do they make an immune system react? Well, they make it react with poison. <laughs> That's how they do it. They make it react with a toxin. They, um, In the case of this hepatitis B vaccine, they they use a neurotoxin. They use aluminum. And so in that hepatitis B vaccine, there is aluminum and it is meant to make your immune system or to make that tiny brand new baby's immune system uh, react to the toxin that it's been injected with. So just a minutes old baby is being shot up with aluminum. That doesn't sound good to me. And you know what? Most people know that aluminum is toxic. Most people now know that aluminum is a neurotoxin because there is been a big push to eliminate it from personal care products, namely deodorant. Natural deodorant is natural most of the time because they are not including the aluminum in it because people know that it uh, is suspected to cause Alzheimer's and they know that it is a neurotoxin. But, but for some reason, within minutes of a baby being born, we are injecting them with 250 micrograms of aluminum. That doesn't sound good. I would have to say that that is a bad idea. Now, I'm a layperson, not a doctor, not a researcher, and none of this is health advice, but I would have to say that injecting a little infant with aluminum. Well, that doesn't seem like a good idea. And by the way, that 250 micrograms of aluminum they're uh, injected with, well, by the time they're 18 months old per the CDC schedule, that number goes up to 5,000 micrograms of aluminum they are injected with. But, uh, you know, what's the big deal, right? I I guess I'm just making a big deal out of it. Perhaps it's not a problem at all because these drug companies, they tested it, right? Right. After all, they tested it. They wouldn't just give these vaccines to tiny little baby infants without testing it, right? Well, yeah, they did. I I guess they did test it. Let me tell you about that test because the hepatitis B vaccine to get it approved to inject into little babies, well, here's the study. They tested it on 147 kids, not infants, kids under 10 years old. A hundred and forty seven of them. That's it. And how long do you think this robust study went on for? Well, they followed up with the kids for five days. That's it. There was no placebo trial. They didn't have a control group. They injected hundred and forty seven kids under the age of 10 and followed up for five days. That's it. That's it. And then from that, they determined that it is safe to inject a little brand new baby with that vaccine. Is that enough for you? It's not enough for me. No, it's not enough for me. I don't trust that. That's not enough to convince me. So let me ask you this. How do they know what the neurological effects of injecting aluminum into a one day old baby are? You don't know. It's plain and simple. You don't no, And I would argue that because you can't know that, this is the reason why they front load the vaccine schedule. If you look at the vaccine schedule, they're really, really trying to get most of them into the kids when they're young. And the reason they do this, the reason they give most of them at the earliest age, in my opinion, is because it's a lot easier to poison a little baby Because they can't tell you about the side effects that they're experiencing. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Think about it. You know, I had to take a break when I got to this point of writing. Because it makes me so upset. It almost makes me want to cry. Because one of the, I'm going to say one of the anecdotal effects that you hear a lot about vaccines given to babies is that they cry. They cry a lot. They'll cry throughout the night of that that vaccine. And that's because it's because I think they're experiencing encephalitis or swelling of the brain because after all they're being injected with a neurotoxin. So, does it make sense that they give these vaccines to little babies? Yeah, it does make sense because when they're crying in the crib with a swollen brain, well You don't actually know what it's for. And there's plausible deniability on the part of those who injected the baby. Oh, really? I, you know what? It's difficult. It's difficult. Normally I try and joke and have fun, but I can't do it with this one because the topic really does. It hurts my heart to think that it's possible that one of these little babies is, is being harmed by being injected with a toxin. It just, it really hurts my heart. And I'm sorry to be such a downer on this, but it's a topic that has to be discussed. So let's get back to my story a little bit. Let's get back to what happened with, with me. So my son was born right before COVID. I mean, right before COVID. Um, and since I had heard about Dr. Rhonda Patrick and since I had started researching the childhood vaccines and what they're made of and what's in them, well, I wasn't a hundred percent convinced at the time that they were all bad. So I was sticking to the, to spacing out the vaccines, to giving them uh, in single doses, spacing them out by a week or more. And now this is before the full shutdown happened. And so this was during COVID, but again, it's before people really went crazy and lost their minds and shut down completely. So I was taking my son to the pediatrician to get one of these single dose vaccines. And while I was in the doctor's office, I was talking with the nurse. I was letting them know my concerns. And they basically just talked to me like I was an idiot. They talked to me like I was a child for wanting to space them out. And that the fact that I had any concern about my kid being injected with something was completely crazy. And it was a traumatic experience for me. It really was. To see how callous they were about injecting drugs into babies and then just the way that they blew me off. Uh, you know, it really did kind of confirm my opinions about how they're not thinking critically about what they're doing. And then when I watched them inject my precious baby with something that I already knew was at least partly toxic, it, it bothered me and it really, it bothered me to my core. And I think this was an important moment where I decided it's more important to trust my intuition than trust authority, because after all trust in authority, well, it's a logical fallacy. And I'll talk about more of those in the future, but trust in authority does not mean truth. Anyway, just know that you need to trust your intuition. And if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. So anyway, anyway, uh, COVID sucked for everyone, but it was kind of a miracle. For, for me, in my opinion, me and my family, because like I said, COVID started and everyone was kind of going about their business, just like, wh- you know, not even wearing masks in the future. I don't know if you remember, but the beginning of COVID, everyone was just kind of scared, but didn't know what to do. But eventually the shutdowns happened and they shut everything down. So what that meant was there were no doctor's appointments anymore, period. So my kid just by just by the events that were taking place with COVID was missing their vaccine appointments like many kids. And what I did in this time was I researched what my child was missing. I wanted to make sure that there was not unnecessary risks that they were taking by missing these vaccines. So that's what I did. I dug in and I started doing some serious research on these vaccines And what was my kid missing out on? Well, basically just poison. That's what I found out. It's basically fraud. It's turtles all the way down. And you'll find that it's just junk science built on top of junk science, built on fraud, built on greed, built on junk science. And that's what the vaccine schedule is. And so I went really like full manic autistic. I probably read 20, 30 books on the subject. And and these books are pro and anti-vaccine. I really, really dug in hard because I thought that that uh, getting the vaccines or not getting the vaccines, I thought it was a life and death issue. So I really, really dug in hard. And what I found that the anti-vaccine side uh, when I read about these topics was kind of based in Uh, Their argument is there's a lack of substantive proof of safety and efficacy of these vaccines. And then when I read about the pro side of vaccines, it was really all based in kind of fear and coercion. A lot of what they were saying is that if you don't get these, your kid is going to get one of these communicable diseases and die and it's going to be your fault. And so the vaccine industry needs that fear. When I was in the doctor's office and I knew, I knew in my heart that there was poison in that needle, I was just too scared to do anything about it at that point because they want you to think that your kid is going to die if they don't get these shots. They want you to think that you are going to be a social outcast if your kid doesn't have these shots or your kid can't be around other kids because they're a disease vector. Or your kids aren't going to be allowed to go to school because they're the ones with the crazy parents. They're the ones with the anti-vaxxer parents. And it's all fear-based. That's really what it is. It's all fear-based because it's just like wear the mask or you're going to kill grandma or it's just like stay inside or, you know, you'll be, you'll be an outcast in the community or whatever, but it's just fear, 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 fear. And that's what I found. And so when I got over the fear and when I was able to look into them honestly, I was able to dig into the data. Well, I found that all that fear is pretty much unwarranted. So let's get into some of that. Let's get into some of that. Are these vaccines necessary? That's where we should start. Are they necessary? Is your kid going to die if they don't get these vaccines? No, no, they're not not even close will they get sick? Yeah, they will get sick because all kids get sick but when we're talking about something like measles, chickenpox flu, we don't need vaccines for these things um, that's if they even work but we don't need vaccines for these because when you get sick when our bodies get sick they are processing a disease. They're adapting to it. They're growing stronger because of it. So this is the same uh, narrative, by the way, whether you are believing in what the vaccines do or if you're believing that the uh, disease is working through you naturally. It would be a a hermetic uh, uh, effect. And this is like you take a little bit of it and it makes you better for it. Uh, What doesn't kill you makes you stronger is kind of a better way to think about it. So you can make the argument that children getting these diseases, diseases like measles, chicken pox, and flu, well, these are actually making the child stronger. In fact, there's good data to show that kids who get the chicken pox have lower rates of cancer in adulthood. You never hear about that, do you? But that's a legit study. Children who had the chickenpox have lower rates of cancer. Huh. So it's almost as if the body is purging something that shouldn't be there. And if a vaccine stops that process, it's probably not a good thing. So, and by the way, by the way, one of the justifications when you look into the chickenpox vaccine, one of the reasons that it was approved by the CDC is because parents miss work less. That's right. Parents missed work days was one of the reasons to justify the chickenpox vaccine. To me, that doesn't sound like a reason to inject uh, children's little bodies with adjuvants, with toxins. But according to the CDC, if you miss work, well, that's a reason to shoot them up. But you know what? Those diseases I've mentioned, they're not that serious. But what about polio? What about polio, right? Because uh <laughs> Oh man, if you try and talk to any boomer online and, and you know what, sorry, boomers, I don't mean to call you out like this, but if you talk to any boomer online about vaccine topics, you're going to get some kind of stupid response like this. They're going to say, well, I'll bet you're glad you're not in a wheelchair, huh? That's what they say. Cause, cause you know, polio. So <laughs> that's what all the boomers say. I'll bet you're glad you're not in a wheelchair cause you didn't have polio and that's cause you had the vaccine. Well, yes, first of all, let me say I am glad that I'm not in a wheelchair, but uh, but polio isn't what you think. Polio is not what you think it is. the uh, the vast majority of polio, and I'm doing air quotes, I know you can't see them, but the vast majority of polio it manifests like every other childhood disease. They're common symptoms like, sore throat and fever. It's basically the same shit as all the other ones but but every once in a while, right, you have this paralytic polio, right? Uh, paralytic polio or the type that puts the kids into the wheelchair. Now what is paralytic polio? Uh, it's 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 a, it's a poisoning of the central nervous system. But viruses don't really do that. We, we haven't seen viruses do that in the past. But for some reason, in this one very specific instance of polio, well, some kids end up in a wheelchair, right? Well, that's what they tell us. But if you look at polio, if you look at the instances of the disease, well, it happens to coincide with heavy uses of environmental toxins. So when these paralyzing episodes started in children... There was a really common pesticide being used called lead arsenate. And as that name suggests, it is super, super toxic stuff. Lead and arsenic, right? It's terrible stuff. And this shit was being sprayed on foods. It's an insecticide. And surprise, surprise, they start spraying this stuff everywhere and people's nerves get fucked up. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Let I'm going to apologize right now for the language because, as I said earlier, get a little bit uh, heated when I talk about this topic. Anyway, it's no surprise when they started spraying this stuff, this lead arsenate everywhere, that uh, that uh, people's, people's nerves started to go haywire. And uh, this stuff was banned uh, in the 50s and 60s throughout the United States. But don't worry, when they banned that... There was another neurotoxin uh, just waiting in the wings to, uh, to start being used. And that one was called DDT. DDT is a neurotoxin and it's another insecticide. And throughout the 50s and 60s and part of the 70s, they were spraying this stuff on everything. They sprayed hundreds of thousands of tons of this toxic shit all over the food during this era. Right when polio was all the rage, right when there were paralyzed kids popping up uh, every once in a while, uh, DDT was being sprayed in the thousands of tons. In fact, something that's interesting if you look into DDT is there were actually these trucks that would drive down neighborhood streets, just spraying DDT like fog into the neighborhoods to just kill bugs indiscriminately. And the The DDT fog smelled sweet, so kids would actually follow the truck on their bicycles to smell the DDT. That's the kind of recklessness that was going on in this era. And yet for some reason, they said, "Oh, those kids in wheelchairs, yeah, that's because they got a virus. Well, no, it's because they were probably uh, being exposed to high levels of DDT, which is a neurotoxin. The way DDT works, is it works by spasming the nerves of these insects and paralyzing them. Huh. Hmm. Well, that that sounds oddly familiar, doesn't it? Surprise, surprise, kids start getting paralyzed when they're spraying this stuff everywhere. And now, now the polio vaccine came out, right? And all the kids stopped getting paralytic polio. Except, no, that's not true. That's not true. What happened was they started banning these toxic chemicals and the pharmaceutical companies kind of rode this wave of, of poison profits because it just happened to coincide. They, they stopped using all the neurotoxins and, um, they, they brought out a vaccine that, uh, the best I can say about it is it doesn't work to prevent paralytic polio and, uh, people made the association. And from then on out, from then on out, Uh, the, the, the benefits outweighed the risk for these vaccines, or that's what we were told. So by the way, right now, currently in the world, the number one cause of paralytic polio is the oral polio vaccine. Now I say in the world, because we don't give that one here in the U S no, 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 we don't, we don't give that one here. We don't, we don't want to cause that here in the U S no, those are only for the Brown people in other countries that Bill Gates loves so much. I will, uh, I'll link to an article, but yes, the number one cause of paralytic polio these days is actually from a vaccine. So do kids need these vaccines? I would say no, the kids do not need them. They're not necessary. Most childhood illness is caused by either natural maturation, uh, of the child growing and their body, adapting to a toxic world. Um, Or by just a bombardment from these environmental toxins. And if if you look at these diseases that are supposedly being wiped out by these vaccines, what you're going to see is that the rates of these diseases started to fall dramatically before the vaccines were even introduced. And what that does is it proves that the vaccines weren't really the cause of them going away. There were other factors in these diseases disappearing. One of the curious cases that's never talked about uh, when it comes to this premise is that uh, that of scarlet fever. Scarlet fever was a, a disease that was a really big deal uh, back in the kind of turn of the century era. And what happened? What happened to scarlet fever? It just disappeared, right? Because we don't have a scarlet fever vaccine, but it just went away on its own. No vaccine required. And nobody seems to talk about that one. So really, why are these diseases going away? Um, it's not because of the vaccines. It's because what happened is that we improved our sanitation and definitely our nutrition. And these diseases went away because of those factors. And interestingly enough, there are um, other diseases that we know of now that fall into this category uh, that are viewed completely differently now. These diseases are those like scurvy, pellagra, and beriberi. At one time, these diseases were thought to be viruses or infectious diseases. But as we know now, these are deficiency diseases. In the case of scurvy, That's a vitamin C deficiency. In the case of beriberi and pellagra, those are uh, vitamin B1 and B3 deficiencies. And so you can can see why they would have thought these were infectious diseases. A, A ship of sailors would have come in and everyone on the ship had scurvy. And um, they would have thought, well, one person just passed it to the next. And that's how the entire ship got scurvy. But what was actually happening is these sailors were eating hardtack, which is basically just a nutrient devoid hard bread that didn't have any vitamin C. And so when they were away at sea for long periods of time, they weren't getting any vitamin C and they all developed scurvy. And for the longest time, We thought scurvy and these other deficiency diseases were communicable, were infectious diseases, were viruses. And now we know that's not the case for any of them. So I think we should look critically at the causes for these other diseases that children are being vaccinated for because the body is a complex system. There are many, many inputs, many micronutrients that could be a factor, and we're not considering them anymore because viruses have taken over the entire conversation and vaccines have taken over the entire conversation. So we have so much proof that certain diseases are caused by malnutrition and environmental toxins, and we're just not looking into it. And so there is a book I will recommend that really shows how many of these diseases were completely being eradicated before the vaccines were even introduced. This book is called Dissolving Illusions. It's a really good book, and if you want the kind of data-driven approach for why Vaccines aren't the cause for these diseases going away. This is the book you should read. I would really encourage you to read it. So, no, no, I do not think vaccines are necessary, but there is another side to that. We need to talk about whether they are dangerous or not. Because if they're not necessary and they're completely harmless, well, then who cares anyway? But are they dangerous? Are they dangerous? Yes. Yes, I can definitively say they are dangerous because by their own words, by the words of these public health agencies, they are dangerous because there is no safe way to inject mercury and aluminum and polysorbate 80 and formaldehyde and uh, aborted fetal cells that may or may not have undergone some kind of genetic abnormality. There's no way to inject these toxins safely at any level. This stuff is toxic to anybody, to anybody, but especially, especially the delicate, newly forming bodies of these little babies. And as if all of these things aren't bad enough on their own, The standard practice for administering these vaccines to children and babies is to combine them into multiple doses. So as I said, I was spreading out the vaccines, doing them one by one with a certain amount of time in between to let my kid recover. But that's not the standard practice. Sometimes they're given up to nine doses in a single visit. Nine doses. What effect does that have on a child? What effect does nine times the dose of a vaccine have on a kid? Well, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know. And um, why don't we know? It's because they're not going to do the studies, the CDC, the NIH. They admit that they have no data on combining multiple, multiple vaccines and administering them together. No data on the interactions of these vaccines with each other. None. They don't have a study on it. So your guess is as good as mine. Your guess is as good as mine, whether it's good to combine nine times the dose of mercury, aluminum, polysorbate 80. I guess it's all good, right? Because we don't have anything to, um, we don't have any data to compare it against. But you know what? I'm just a crazy conspiracy theorist. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, don't question the science. Don't question the science. The science that they haven't done. But you know what? Speaking of somebody who has done science, speaking of some science that has actually been done on the topic of childhood vaccines, there is a really good study that was done by a guy named Dr. Paul Thomas, And then the study designer, the person who actually performed the study with Dr. Paul Thomas's data is a guy named Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. Now, Dr. Paul had a pediatric or still has a pediatric practice. I believe it's in Washington or Oregon. And there were 10,000 of his patients involved in this study, 10,000 children that were all born into his practice. So uh, why he chose only kids that were born into his practice is because he didn't want to have incomplete medical data on any of the children. But still, they were able to get 10,000 kids into this study. And then the data of these kids and their medical records, it was all anonymized. And uh, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler was the one who organized and put together the study. And I'm going to link to this study. Now, of course, what you're going to see is this study has been retracted, you know, because the medical journals can't allow this kind of information to get out. So it's still there. It's posted, but it's been retracted. And, f- and the funny thing is I just heard another, I just read about another study that's going to be retracted. This other study is about autism. And the reason it's being retracted, the reason this other study is being retracted is... Get this. It is for, uh, quote, undisclosed non-financial conflicts of interest. (laughs) So that's that's, I guess, why they are um, retracting studies these days is because you have an opinion they don't like. Uh, You didn't disclose your non-financial conflict of interest. You didn't disclose that you have opinions. I guess that's where we're at these days. But anyway, I'm going to link to Dr. Paul Thomas's study. And I want you to take a look at it if you are interested in this kind of stuff. Because Dr. Paul's study is a great study and it might be one of the only ones that has been done on the topic of comparing non-vaccinated kids to vaccinated kids. And the results of it are absolutely damning. The study shows that the amount of vaccines a child receives correlates to the amount of office visits for illness. And so what you'll see is the kids with the the most vaccines had the most health problems and the kids with no vaccines had very few health problems. And this was a pretty big study, 10,000 kids. So you can see why they won't let this study stay, uh, why they have to retract it, because this is a big thorn in the side of the vaccine industry. Now, when I post this study, you don't have to read the entire thing, but I would like you to take a look at figure five in the study. And what figure five does is it plots the office visits for those who have been vaccinated on the CDC schedule to those who have not had vaccines. And what you'll see is that the instances of asthma and eczema and ear infections and ADHD, these are sky high in the vaccinated kids and they almost don't even exist in the kids who hadn't had the vaccines. It is crazy. It's clear as day that the vaccines for children are not associated with healthier kids. And that's what it shows. It shows it plain as day. And so, so what did they do? What did the medical establishment do to Dr. Paul Thomas for doing this brave scientific achievement? You know, for doing the science and trusting the science? Well, they took his medical license because that's what they do. Because of course they did because the AMA and the medical boards, they are bought and paid for by pharma. And they are, they made damn sure to shut him down and shut down the science he was doing because you can't say this kind of stuff. You can't say that vaccines are anything but safe and effective, but he dared to do it. And his results are absolutely damning to pharma and the vaccine industry. I encourage you, please take a look at that study if you're interested in it. And don't trust that, that little marquee at the top that says it was retracted. Look at the data. Look at what it says about these vaccines, but you know what? Dr. Thomas is fighting it. He really, he's fighting back. Um, he still has his practice and, uh, he's not allowed to treat patients because of the medical boards, but he's fighting against it. He has his own podcast called against the wind, and it's a great podcast. I would really encourage, um, uh, those who are interested in this topic to listen to his podcast. He also uh, had a book before he came out with the study called the vaccine friendly plan. It was one of the books I read in the beginning. And this plan was to space out the vaccines because the vaccines are toxic. So anyway, check out Dr. Paul Thomas. I will be reaching out to him and also Dr. James Lyons Weiler. I would love to have them come on and talk about that study, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully, I'll have some success reaching out to them. But, um, but as long, so, all right, where are we at? So, um, are they, are they effective? No. Are they dangerous? Yes. But um, as long as they can keep you from learning about these childhood vaccines, it's all good. It's all good because the the drug companies by the way, and this is important, have zero liability. They have complete liability protections when it comes to vaccine. Zero liability. They can kill your baby with a vaccine and nothing will happen to them. Criminally, financially, nothing. Because in 1986, the national vaccine Uh, Or sorry, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act was signed by President Reagan. And what it did was it completely removed liability from drug companies who are producing vaccines. So essentially in the 80s, the drug companies said, you know, we can't make vaccines anymore because we're getting sued too much. And so uh, so what happened? The government stepped in and said, you know, no need No need. You guys keep making them despite the fact that you're getting sued into oblivion because they're hurting people and we will take over that liability. And when they said we, well, they meant you, you, the taxpayer, because you, the taxpayer, are the one who picks up the liability. But don't worry, you're not on the hook for for that much. You're not on the hook for that much because in order to actually get money from the government, if you're injured by a vaccine is you have to go to something called the vaccine injury compensation fund or the court system that's associated with it. And you're essentially up against the entire weight of the U S government and all their lawyers. So they're not going to pay out shit. They're not going to pay out. They've paid out a couple of billion dollars, but really it's pittance compared to the amount of injury that is being caused. So, so do these companies really care? Do And I should say, do their shareholders care if they're injuring or killing children? No, no, because fiscally it doesn't matter at all. They're not going to face charges and uh, there's nothing you can do to hold them accountable. So I guess the best you can do is just hope that uh, you or your kids are, are not injured or killed by one of these vaccines. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the injury is big or small because the injuries do happen. There is something called the VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. It's a an acronym for the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, VAERS. And you can look into it. It's really hard to read because it's raw data. There's actually a great website called OpenVAERS, which takes that data and kind of puts it on a graphic user interface. And I will po- uh, post a link to that. And VAERS is a way to report vaccine injuries. There are thousands upon thousands of vaccine injury reports on there. Nobody really knew about that database until COVID hit. And thank God it is more popular these days. People are starting to understand that the injuries do happen. And uh, these injuries are, like I said, they're big, they're small, um, they're all across the board. And so Maybe your kid gets chronic earaches or has lifelong allergies or asthma, or maybe your kid's autistic, or you know what? Maybe they died from SIDS. Maybe your kids died from SIDS. And you know what? You know what the government and the, the uh, drug companies have to say? Well, sorry about your luck. Too bad. Keep paying your taxes. That's all you get. And by the way, by the way, SIDS, rem- sudden infant death syndrome. Well, I think we all know what that is now. I think we all know because they tried to use the same playbook when, uh, when COVID um, uh, vaccine injuries were breaking out. Remember SADS? Does anyone remember that acronym, SADS? Sudden Adult Death Syndrome? Give me a break. Give me a break. There's no such thing as sudden death. And by the way, infants don't just die. There's no such thing as sudden infant death. But, uh... But perhaps there are effects when you shoot them up with neurotoxins. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, what happened when the uh, the U.S. government took all liability away for these vaccine makers? What happened? Well, as you can imagine, uh, with all profit and no liability, well, they turned our kids into human pin cushions. That's what, that's what they did. That's what these drug companies did. Uh, With the help of the FDA um, uh, rubber stamping these drugs and uh, getting them into the arms of kids. Because you know what? When you have a product that is all profit and no liability, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you just get as many of them as you can out there? It's like printing money. We all know how much they love doing that. So when I was a kid, I was born in 1982 before this vaccine injury act for children. Well, there was about, mm, I don't know, three vaccines. I think I got a couple of them, but you know how many there are now currently on the CDCs or I should say, I should say before COVID there was 72 doses of vaccines before the, ch- the child turns 18, 72 doses. So three or four when I was a kid. 72 now, and probably that number's up to about 74 because, you know, they added the COVID vaccine to that schedule. And by the way, do you know why they added the COVID vaccine to the childhood schedule, even though kids aren't at risk of dying from COVID? The reason they added it to the schedule is because of the, uh, is because of that, um, National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, the reason they added it is because once a vaccine is added to that schedule they have complete legal immunity. So when they released that COVID vaccine no matter what the results were their goal was to get it onto the childhood schedule because they knew if they can get it there, no liability. No liability. You can't sue them. <sighs> It's a big club and you ain't in it as George Carlin says. So anyway, these maniacs are just going to keep pumping out more toxic shit. They're going to keep forcing parents to submit their children to it. And they're not going to stop unless they're stopped because it's pure profit. So they're not going to do it. So anyway, I'm getting a little heated on the topic as you might, uh, (laughs) as you might hear coming through your speaker. So I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up and say that I think That vaccines are the single biggest and most dangerous scam of all time. Yes, even bigger than the Federal Reserve and banking. I think these vaccines are the most dangerous scam of all time. I believe with all my heart that they are injuring children. In fact, I know for a fact that they're injuring children. And Our kids are getting an unimaginable amount of these vaccines now, and they've never been more sick and more unhealthy. We should be able to look at that right there and say, hey, we're doing this and the result is this and it's not working because 54% of our kids now have an autoimmune disease. And by the way, there's no such thing as an autoimmune disease disease. What does autoimmune disease even mean anyway? Oh, that your body is just attacking itself, that your body is self-destructing. Guess what? That's not a thing. But if you poison a body, it does that. And 54% of our kids are suffering from an autoimmune disease. Autism, one in 36 kids is autistic. That's one in 20. When you look at boys, One in 20 boys are born. Uh, I shouldn't say born. One in 20 boys are autistic now. And at the turn of the century, autism didn't even exist. In the 1970s, it was about one in 10,000. And where are we at today? One in 36 kids. So we can look at these incomes, uh, uh, excuse me, these outcomes We can look at those. We can look at ADHD. We can look at learning disabilities. We can look at depression and anxiety. All of these things are off the charts. All of them are off the charts. We are giving our kids a shitload of vaccines, and our kids are not well. They're not well. Now, are the vaccines the cause of all of this? I don't know. I don't know. But Nobody in charge is looking into it. Nobody seems to want to figure it out. And I shouldn't say nobody. There are a few like RFK Jr. and Children's Health Defense, like like Big Bigtree with the High Wire. These people are fighting it. But almost nobody in official authority positions is looking into these topics. And we need to be. We need to be. Because we are failing our children. We are failing them by not looking into what is going on to make them this sick. They don't need drugs. They don't need pills or injections. What they need is less screen time. They need more sunlight. They need nutritious, healthy food. They need clean water that's not full of toxins. And they need a world that isn't bombarding them with fear and propaganda. They need a natural state of body and mind is what they need. And I've said it before, I say it all the time, you cannot be poisoned back to health. It is not possible. And we are giving poisons. By every objective measure, we are administering poison to already sick children. Now, I want to thank you for listening today, even though this one was more of a rant and we weren't having that good of a time. I really appreciate you listening, and I want you to take the things I say, and I don't want you to believe any of it. Please, please take the things that I tell you and look into them. Crack that door open a little bit. Find out if some of the things I'm saying aren't bullshit and if there's any merit to them, because I really care about our children. It makes me want to cry when I uh, research and write about these topics. And I hope that you will take this information and run with it. And I hope that you will bring this information to others who don't know about it. And once again, thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to do this the next time.
1: Hey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the club, all eyes only. With the poly rock crew, all drinks are free. We're luxurious, like we love Patron. We're kidding the poly rock. Everybody in on let's go. Shots, 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 the ladies love us When we pour shots They need an excuse To suck our cocks We can't get drunk How about you? Bottoms up Let's go around to shots, shots, shot shots, 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 Everybody, if you ain't getting drunk, get the fuck out the club. If you ain't taking shots, get the fuck out the club. If you ain't come to party, get the fuck out the club. Now, all my alcoholics in the sea are hymns. Watch you drinking on Yager bombs lemon drops, butter and nipples, and jello shots, chemicals, yeah. Three wise men, for call that shit. Give me some gin, shots, patrols on the rocks, and I'm ready for some shots. The women come around every time I'm pouring shots. Their pennies hit the ground every time I give them shots. Some cups in the air, everybody let's take shots, 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 shots. Shot, shot, shot. If you're getting drunk, put your hands in the ear. And if you're trying to fuck, put your hands in the ear. Say, I'm fucked up, I'm fucked up. I'm, fucked up. I'm, fucked up. I'm, fucked up. I'm trying to fuck, I'm trying to fuck. 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 Shut up. On the rocks. I'm ready for some shots. The women come around every time I'm pouring shots. Their pennies hit the ground. Every time I give them shots. Some cops in the air. Everybody listening shots. Shots.